Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. It is a great honor once again to welcome back to the show economic visionary and uh, astute observer of history in such a profound way, Martin Armstrong. Learn more about Martin by going to his website, armstrongeconomics.com. Again, as I said before, every interview with Martin, Martin is the first site that I go to in the morning to learn about uh, the dark fate that humanity seems to be going on. Mr. Armstrong, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. So one of the first things I've been seeing a lot on your site in terms of the blog is I, I call it like a louder echo as far as the central bank digital currencies go. Mm-hmm. And I was reading one of your uh, articles, I think it was on the private blog, talking about how, you know, they're just going to implement this, this, and it's going to be like banking as usual, only we're going to wake up and they're going to know everything about us. They're going to do direct taxation. From your perspective, how likely is the central bank digital currency system going to uh, happen in the U.S.? Is it is it a guarantee that it will happen? And how quickly could you see this thing uh, implemented uh, in all 50 states? I don't think there's any question it's it's going through. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> they have no choice. And, and this is what people don't understand. The, the main reason for this is because they cannot continue to borrow year after year with no intention of paying anything back. Then you take uh, the neocons who could care less about the economy. All they want is war. So you have them bashing China, for example. Uh, But China is the largest buyer of U.S. debt. So now they've been starting to sell everything. And if you don't have uh, basically the, uh, the people to simply buy the debt, this is the problem. So we're, we're reaching a point where you're not going to be able to um, to do that. It, it's just um, they, they need a reset. And that's, <clears throat> I mean, look, Schwab has, has been taking our, I think, whatever we do, Schwab seems <laughs> to do the opposite or whatever. <laughs> but uh, his great reset is our 2032. And <clears throat> we're saying that, you know, that's when Republican forms of government decline, et cetera. And, and then we get to rebuild something completely new. He's just trying to push it in his direction. Uh, but 
you know, we're, we've reached a point where we can no longer continue to just borrow year after year. And with, with zero intention of paying anything back. I mean, about 70% of the U.S. national debt is accumulative interest. It didn't go out to build roads or hospitals or, you know, help widows and orphans. Uh, it, it's, it's just interest going out to, to those that are holding the debt. Uh, it, it's the biggest transfer of wealth, uh, probably in humanity. Uh, so, you know, all this nonsense about, oh, we can, you know, from the, from back in the sixties, you couldn't borrow against like an e-bond. It was illegal. Uh, and after Bretton Woods, that's when effectively all that kind of disappeared. And so before Bretton Woods, you had the theory that it was, it was less inflationary to borrow than to print. And a lot of, you know, people still, you know, talk about that, but, um, once they took the debt and they made it fungible that you could, you want to trade futures, you post T-bills. All right. So all of a sudden the debt is just money that pays interest. So all this nonsense, people watching the federal reserve over oh, the balance sheet. That's very nice, but you know, nobody's paying attention to what Congress does and they're printing money more than, the, mm-hmm. than any central bank would ever do. So that's really what's going on. And and they need the the, this central bank digital currency. um, And they basically will use that to control everything. They they, uh, I'm about ready to put out a a book on it. And you have to understand that these people are really pretty devious. All right. you take, why did Victoria Newland hop on a plane and go to Niger? A lot of people are like, you know, uh, so what's a coup in Niger got to do with, and why was it so important for her to hop on a plane? Because they blew up the uh, Nord Stream pipeline and they promised Europe, <clears throat> keep your mouth shut and we'll build a pipeline from Nigeria to Europe. But it went through Niger. Then there was a coup in Niger, and all of a sudden the pipeline wasn't wasn't going to go. That's why she hopped on a plane. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of people aren't really, you know, fully aware of all the shenanigans that are going on behind the the scenes. Now to, they promised Nigeria that they would do this pipeline, and they said, "Okay, fine, we want you." to be the test case for the central bank digital currency. They <clears throat> basically canceled all the currency, went digital, uh, and there were massive riots, burning banks. I mean, um, I mean, you can Google it and you'll see that it's just unbelievable. But that was the test case. Now, what these people in Washington and Brussels say, well, it shouldn't go that way because Nigeria was really about a 60% cash economy. Mm-hmm. Where the United States estimates at 20%, Europe estimates it at 35%. So their view of going to a digital currency, what's the incentive? It's got nothing to do with the economy. 
it's more taxes. They're worried that you hire that 16-year-old girl next door to watch the kids while you and your wife go out. Well, where, oh, you paid her with cash? Oh, my God, she didn't pay any taxes. I mean, this is what these people do. And, I mean, you had Janet Yellen trying to to put in $600 on eBay. And, oh, to get the rich. What? I don't think Elon Musk is selling a used bike for $600 on eBay. Um, It's, we are the people, and that's who they're targeting. Uh, They don't care about the rich. You're rich, you got all the lawyers and everything else, okay? So, um, <clears throat> you know, they have every which way from Sunday covered. It's the rest of us. Thank now the know. IRS has just implemented, um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if it's it's out fully in the news yet, but they're using machine language and AI to, to now audit people, to go through everybody's accounts, uh, you know, and flag who they should be auditing. This is all going to be done by AI. It's it's just so to totalitarianism. And then they refer to um, I think they they refer to us as the great unwashed as the people yes. who they they're told to told the same. But when we look at the central bank digital currencies to implement a massive change like that, where your money you don't use cash anymore, where it's basically a totally it seems like a totally different system. I would imagine that that would have some you know, ripples in the way because, you know, if there's something like happened like that, like that in Niger, I wonder what would happen in the U.S. if certain states refused to do it. Like, I can't imagine everyone's going to be on board with this. And I looked at when they were trying to force people to have a vaccine in order to enter government buildings, in order to uh, travel. And I felt that because, well, they didn't succeed in that. It seems like that was something they wanted to succeed do you look at that as a hope that the central bank digital currencies won't succeed because they were not able to implement a, um, a vaccine passports or digital IDs as of yet? Um, well, they're rolling out another version of uh, COVID, the sequel, you know, at a, at a theater near you. I know. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, and that's what this is about. When they do this, they know there's going to be civil unrest. So how do you keep the people locked up? It's going to be COVID too. Um, I mean, these people are very devious. I cannot emphasize that enough. Uh, We are the enemy. Nobody cares about representing us. We're not represented in anything. Do they come to ask you, gee, should we raise your taxes? Do you have a right to say that? Should we go to war? Uh, do you have a right to vote? Do we go to war against China and Russia? No. Uh, we have, you know, they pretend this is a democracy, but we have zero rights to to vote on anything. That's a republic. We represent, supposedly, we're represented by these people who never represent us. Um, that's why republics always fail. That's why Caesar crossed the Rubicon. It just got so corrupt. Um it was ridiculous. From um, a historical perspective, and somebody who's observed Washington and how governments work, do you think that because there were so many people that were, in some cases, overly compliant with the tyrannical COVID restrictions, that it gave uh, the powers that shouldn't be a boost of confidence saying, well, look, we've been working so hard to put up this facade that, you know, that there's legitimate voting and we're legitimate <clears throat> democracy that they're like you know what 
because these people fell for this and because they were so easily manipulated, we don't have to work as hard anymore. We could just be out in the open. And even if we're out in the open and say that we're going to control you, what are they going to do? Do you think that they they are more confident now that there won't be as, as fierce of a resistance? Or do you think that they're overly confident that, you know, a lot of ways, shape or form, that their plans will come to fruition without much resistance on a global scale from the collective populace? Um, yeah, I mean, just look at what they did to the people on January 6th. I mean, they're putting people in jail for basically taking selfies, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, Capitol buildings have been invaded by protests throughout the states. Nobody went to jail for, you know, five years and stuff like this. Um, and <clears throat> nobody, th- there is a statute which <clears throat> makes it, a 10-year crime for rebellion or insurrection, all right? Nobody was charged with that because if they lost, then they couldn't use it against Trump. Uh, So everything is very strategic with these people. And they're using, they're going to use the COVID. uh, Just when they brought it out the first time, they were telling people, oh, you can get, um sick disease by using cash <clears throat> so <clears throat> you know that's so you started to see a lot of stores oh we no longer take cash that's what they wanted all right and <clears throat> it did the same thing in london and so covid2 is going to be you know the same sort of thing and unfortunately <clears throat> there's a book i would recommend people read it's called obedience to authority was by Stanley Milgram. Uh, he investigated <clears throat> after, <clears throat> excuse me, after World War II. Um, people were saying, well, the Germans, they're just, they must be just different to be able to kill, you know, all these Jews, et cetera. Um, and Stanley was Jewish and he conducted a, an experiment. He would just take people off the street in New York and London, whatever. And he had an actor in there. And give him a list of questions and say, here, you know, ask me these questions. Every time he's wrong, we want you to torture him, increase the, the electric charge. And people randomly off the street, no problem. They were doing it. And he concluded that as long as you think uh, the authority has told you to do something, it must be right. And I recommend reading the book um, because that is the strategy that they use. And they know how to, to, to play it. Yes, there's probably 10% of us that don't want to comply. And they want to identify them. So just as <clears throat> what Trudeau did with the people that donated to truckers, that was also a test case. Anybody that donated to the truckers, their accounts were frozen. All right, this is what they're going to be able to do with with these central bank digital currencies. Um, they're just that's it. You're turned off, starved to death. Um, you can't buy anything, can't sell anything. This is what they want: total one hundred percent compliance, because they know this system is collapsing. I mean, it. And so then it won't collapse either. I remember you had written something. Saying Socrates predicted that eventually this may collapse, but for the foreseeable future, 
do you think that we'll have to endorse central bank digital currencies? And um, is there any hope that it, it will just naturally collapse? Because I think about Tom DiLorenzo, the problem of socialism, and I wonder if the central bank digital currencies will disincentivize people from producing, will create such a massive black market that they won't want to participate. And if no one participates, I imagine that this this system will not be able to hold up. So from your perspective and what you've seen in Socrates, do, is central bank digital currency is something that is in our f- future for the foreseeable time? And does it have any chance of collapsing on its own weight? Well, yes. I mean, look, <clears throat> with the computer's been remarkably accurate. I've been stunned by it for for my entire life. I mean, even, you know, I mean, you can go on our site and see it even forecast. We put out the forecast in 2013 that the war would start in Ukraine. Um, it, it's been amazing in, in its forecasts and it's not my personal opinion. Um, and you cannot get you know what we're talking about with a, a a a new form of government you can't get that without the pain so we have to go through this you know and that's what gets most of the people starting to finally wake up take off the mask and saying these people don't care about me you know it's i mean look a lot of us understand that but you still see people riding around driving by themselves in a car with a mask. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, you, you also sleep with a condom on just in case somebody invades your house and wants to have sex or something. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous, you know, completely yeah. ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, they have been, you know, psychologically damaged. And that's why I recommend reading uh, Milgram's book, Obedience to Authority, and you'd be very surprised. He conducted a lot of these experiments with this. He took like one person standing on the corner, pointing up into the sky. That was fine. People just kept walking by. Put five people out there doing it, and all of a sudden the crowd forms. They're all trying to see what they look at. And there's nothing there. He conducted psychological studies like this, which were really very interesting. It's it's really amazing you bring that up because there's a gentleman, I think we've talked about him before, Larkin Rose, who has his book called uh, The Most Dangerous Superstition, talks about authority literally being the most dangerous uh, superstition that has you know, devastated humanity. And then I look at a gentleman named Jason Kristoff, who researches how the brain uh, perceives information and says that you can change the environment, it, you can change and manipulate people. And I just I don't understand, Martin, why is it in, history, in human history that people always seem to have to adhere to authority? Is authority something that is natural in human beings, or is that something that has been ingrained through several generations of indoctrination that authority is somehow justified and noble? Is this something that has been taking place? Uh, I would say it probably goes back to uh, tribal times. Okay. Um, that hunter-gatherer periods, I guess somebody's got to be in charge or whatever. Um, And, you know, that's largely what we have to go through. Uh, It is part of humanity. uh, And, uh, but, you know, I want to stress is that, yes, okay, fine, our computer's projecting a lot of this absolute chaos um, over the next eight years. And 
but we have to go through that. If you don't do that, we don't get the political change. Um, nothing will change if, if we go, oh, okay, fine, everything's all right. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> evil, you know, simply is possible when because people do nothing. If they do nothing, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's it's like I stole twenty dollars from you. You didn't say anything. I stole a hundred. You didn't say anything. I stole a thousand from you. You go oh, all right, all right. I stole ten thousand. Then you go wait a minute, hold on. Mm-hmm. And I, from my side, I go well. Why didn't you get mad when I took the twenty? So Man. this is unfortunately the way they look at us from from. High above from the governments. I mean, they do not care about you. Anybody that thinks that they really do, good luck. <laughs> uh, socialism has got nothing to do with you. It's more power for them. Uh, that's all it is. They get to regulate everything. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, yeah. it's just absurd. I understand why people so rela- so easily give away their power because there's a lot more of us than there's of them. And if you looking at human history and human nature and looking at Socrates, is there a point or inflection point where humanity kind of just turns around and ignores them? Because, you know, you're talking about all this pain that humanity has to go through. And quite frankly, Martin, I, I look at other people that are freedom minded, that don't want to infringe upon other people that are just a little bit more aware of the situation at hand. I don't want to go through that pain. I want to, you know, insulate and just, you know, if it's going to happen, I want to minimize it. So I wonder if people who are aware and are of a certain frequency that they're going to have to maybe avoid some of this stuff, or they're able to avoid it. And also, uh, do you, does Socrates predict any kind of global um, change or see if change where freedom becomes a, a protocol for people to kind of rise up and just, you know, become liberated from all this uh, tyranny? Oh, yes. I mean, look, these things are always a uh, <clears throat> political contagion. Uh, <clears throat> when Rome overthrew its its Tarquin kings, uh, that was 509 BC. Within one year, Athens overthrew its 30 tyrants and democracy was born. So these things have been contagions throughout history. U.S. had its revolution, all right? <clears throat> what happened? That sparked a French revolution. Um, you know, they go, oh, gee, you know, that's a good idea. I think we ought to do it here. I mean, it spreads. So what we're showing here is is that is um, the final culmination. It, it does spread. Uh, when communism fell uh, in, in 89, our computer projected that amazingly. And so within a few months of Tenement Square, the Berlin Wall falls. All right. These things are are a political contagion is what I basically call them. And um, that's really how this works. And and like I said, you can go back to Roman times. Mm. It's always the same thing. It appears as though the magic threshold is when about 40 percent of the people um, suddenly begin to um, question the authority. That seems to be the tipping point. And even you take normal times of elections. All right. If you look at it, 
There's only three presidents that ever got 60% of, of the popular vote. It was FDR, Richard Nixon, you know, and that, I mean, that's it. The, the vast majority of these people, I mean, look at what Obama won, 51 and a half. Then you wonder like, who's really counting the votes. And I think it's one of the entries that I've been seeing a lot on your side about uh, you're saying that they probably will manipulate, you know, how many votes, votes people got. And I'm of the mindset where I don't want to participate. I don't want to participate in uh, casting a, a vote for somebody who, one, is not going to be representing me. And two, I just don't believe in it. I don't believe that a human being should control another human being <clears throat> or have any kind of a, a authority over another being. And also, I wouldn't want my... I, even though I'm very pro-freedom, I wouldn't want any perspectives forcibly infringed or pushed upon other people. So do you think that um, if you look at these elections and you say, OK, well, this person got 60 percent of the vote, this person got 40 percent. Do you also look at the amount of non-participants and look at that as a form, a way of deciding whether or not the uh, powers that shouldn't be becoming more or less legitimate or illegitimate because uh, of the oh, lack yeah, of participation? Yeah. We do also studies on voter turnout, et cetera. Uh, now, my point is, is that when elections were at least more legitimate, um, it's it's less than 10 percent of the population that decides who's the president. Uh, as I say, the, the, those presidents that ever got landslides, they were only like 60 percent. All right. You know, the third one was Johnson. After, and that was simply because Kennedy was was assassinated. So it was more of a sympathy vote. Uh, but. Um, so we've never had anybody in the United States ever win with 75, 80%. It just has never happened. Um, so it's, it's actually a very small percentage of the population that really leads the rest. And that's what I'm saying. If you ever got to 40% of the population questioning the authority of above, that's it. You know, that's the game changer. It's that seems like it's a lot to get a lot of people to do to do it. I mean, I wanna I think we're maybe we're at maybe six percent of hardcore people. I don't know. I think forty percent seems No, seems I think we're lot. we're approaching closer at this point, like about thirty-three percent. Okay. I wonder if they do you think the, the next COVID lockdown will happen? Because you know, they, they tried pushing the monkeypox out and I think they they've tried a few times and uh, when as we're talking about this in this pandemic, I read one of your recent articles saying, "Well, you know, Bill Gates, you know, M- Mr. Kind-hearted Humanity, buys up all these millions of shares in Bud Light, and you know, why would you want to buy a Bud Light? And well, maybe because when they implement the next lockdown, that uh, they're going to shut the gyms down again and uh, force everyone to go back to the liquor stores. So, and then you said in the past that you know you can look at trends by following where the money is going. So. Do you see other movements? Do you, do you see like Bill Gates doing that as an indication that they're going to try to implement COVID uh, to hardcore? And do you see other types of uh, movements on a grander scale within the marketplace that would indicate that money's moving into areas that would in, uh, that would be more favorable or more preferable to be profitable during a lockdown situation on a mass scale? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people have to understand. I had also put on the blog, uh, I had good inside information that, before COVID, Schwab even told some people, some friends, a virus is coming. All right. And this was several months before. They sold all their uh, positions out and shifted their portfolio ahead of COVID. I mean, these things are orchestrated. Um, and 
you know, for Schwab to even call friends and give them a tip and say, hey, you know, a virus is coming. Uh, you know, and it's just absurd. I mean, I was uh, given the, the source code for the computer model that they used, that uh, Ferguson used. Um, somebody from inside there in London sent it to me and they said, would you please review this? It is, I I wrote about that. I said, this is like a child's game from the 70s. Sim City, you know, is what I called mm-hmm. it, basically. Uh, you, you, you put in um, an assumption. And so he put in, he took some data from the first few people that died of COVID and then put in there and estimated 20% of the population was going to die. I mean, it was absolutely absurd, you know. So if you, you know, you you make a forecast based upon a false and some, you know, assumption, what comes out is also false. Um, It's and even like these tests with COVID and stuff. I mean, I had just uh, Carrie Mullins test. Carrie Mullins said all the stuff that he said about it. I mean, they 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 test water and they test fruit, and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh. The water has COVID. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Look, I was tested five times. It was all negative. My daughter said, look, you got to send me to the Tampa hospital and they had mm-hmm. a pulmonary. I said, look, it's not COVID. I've been tested five times, all negative. And head of pulmonary says, yeah, but we still think you had it. The tests aren't valid. <laughs> I mean, you know, I said, okay, fine. Thank you. You know, you know, it's just absurd. All yeah. this stuff. Um, so many people in the medical industry abandoned every, you know, any logical, you know, conclusion. And oh, yes, okay, COVID, we have to do this. I mean, it's absurd. Um, I just stopped in the hospital just the other day to, to just get a, a chest X-ray that, that the doctor wanted me to get, and here's a guy still wearing masks. You know, it's like, hello. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you're seeing that. Okay, so you recognize the absurdity of it. And I think a lot of people who uh, were, I guess, were upset about it because they're going to try to push the COVID too. I wonder if there's going to be a lot more resistance if a lot more people won't participate. The (laughs) first time I think it seems like it was was a big mystery. No one knew what it was, apparently. And I guess people were more inclined to just go along with it. But because you'll have more people resisting this time. I just wonder how effective it's going to be because there's some monkeypox, like monkeypox. And they, they, they always try to push, push, push. I wonder if they're just they're, they're failing with that. So if they fail, if they fail with the um, with, with this new round of COVID, I mean, is there a backup plan just to you know expedite World War Three um, to try well, to do that? That they're to... doing. Okay. Um, uh, it's Reuters finally published with what I've been warning about. Uh, so I guess it's starting to get out. Uh, the U.S. is giving long range missiles to Ukraine. And cluster bombs. All right. Um, cluster bombs are, are held to be a war crime by over 120 countries. And long-range missiles mounted with cluster bombs to hit Moscow. Yes. Cluster bombs kill more civilians than anything else. And that's what they're doing. You know, honestly, you start... Having Ukraine shoot long-term missiles over there, um, long-range missiles with cluster bombs, 
Putin is going to be justified in in taking out Kiev. Um, and honestly, if he does not respond to the United States and NATO and, and attack on one way, he'll be overthrown by the their neocons who've had enough. And yeah, I mean, so they so Russia's got neocons too. And oh, look, the, the, it, are Russia's so, neocons all about destroying the US? I mean, what what, what kind of neocons do they have? Jeez. Same thing. I mean, it's uh, I don't know what it is, but these people, they just need an enemy. Um, they don't believe in peace. Uh, and <clears throat> uh, our neocons are even worse because, uh, you know, they're led by Victoria Newland and <clears throat> her heritage is Ukrainian. All right, okay. I mean, you know, her sister-in-law runs the Institute for the Study of War, which is the number one propaganda. All they do is preach war. Um, they keep pushing out the, the scenario, oh, Russia's weak. It, oh, we can really conquer them in five days. We should just go in and wipe them off from the, you know. Good luck. You really think you can do this and they're not going to start, you know, pushing buttons? I mean, you know, I don't, it's what I say. These people don't care. All they think about is their own agenda. I mean, bashing China over over Ukraine, I mean, over uh, Taiwan, China was the number one holder of U.S. debt. Now they're selling billions and billions. So, so what do you do? You go back to them, Chief. Would you please buy $100 billion worth of our bonds so we can buy some missiles to shoot at you? <laughs> I mean... You don't buy the debt of your enemy. I mean, it's, it's, there just doesn't seem to be any logical coherence. Uh, and you have in the Biden administration, which is a complete disaster, you have people that are just pushing climate change without regard to anything else. Then you have the neocons. Uh, who just want war without regard from anything else? I mean, this is all total chaos. Do you think it's planned that they're saying, okay, well, this is the we're 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 going to use incompetence as the cover for you know devious intentions because it seems like it's very calculating what they're doing, and um, it's just <clears throat> oh, it's, little... it's calculated because they have an agenda, okay, and they want Biden there because he just signs whatever he they stick in front of him. <laughs> um, I mean, to to put this guy up who clearly has mental problems at this stage for another four years. I was going to win by a landslide. I, 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 uh, predictions. He's probably, he's going to be, he's gonna, yeah. You know, Martin, you've done a lot of, uh, you know, you and Socrates, you make a predictive models about human nature. Okay. We look at, you define human nature and you say, well, human nature is kind of predictable because it definitely doesn't really change. But if you look at a person who's considered to be like a neocon, and you, do you think that, um, have you ever come across your models that indicate, okay, well, these people are pretending to be human, but they're not human. They, 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 is there other other types of beings among us? Do you think that they could be parading around as humans, but not necessarily be human? I mean, because sometimes they say, well, the people that are ruling over us, they're evil psychopaths. Well, maybe they have innocent evil psychopaths, or are they just kind of like a different type of human? No, I think that they're human, but it's you have to understand um I mean, I had two employees in in Ukraine. One was from Donetsk. Um, 
uh, and the other one was from Kiev. Two of them wouldn't even talk to each other. All right. You could not bring a bottle of Russian vodka to dinner in Kiev. It was an insult. I mean, the, the hatred between Ukrainians and Russians is monumental. Uh, it, this is like trying to uh, create a peace deal between, you know, the Sunnis and the Shiites in, in the Middle East. I mean, <clears throat> they're just fundamentally religiously different. And and you have the same thing here. That's um, why Zelensky is absolutely destroying his country. Yeah, I mean, you have almost 10 million people have fled. All right. All for the Donbass, which is occupied by Russians for hundreds of years. But he, they wants to conquer the Donbass and they can no longer speak Russian. They have to speak Ukrainian. Yeah. I mean, this is, he's another Hitler, basically. And he <clears throat> refuses to even negotiate. Uh, you had the Pope. <clears throat> he met with the Pope and the Pope offered to, to step in for mediation. And he said, no, thank you. Um, so he has no conscious, you know, no remorse about what he's done to Ukraine. <clears throat> and, oh, it's Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, Russia's not going to shoot back if, if you keep shooting. I mean, you know, it's just simple as that. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, they are just so anti-Russia. They were the first country <clears throat> to declare separatism in 1991 and then the other provinces started following so they were the first ones to to break up the russian uh soviet union uh so these things are just inherent in the culture there and victoria newland is comes from ukraine uh so i mean <clears throat> it just seems like it's a really dark place i mean it just you're looking at Socrates, and you're looking at your own insights in human nature. 2032, I mean, I, quite frankly, I think I have a, a something on my wall at 2032. <laughs> I was looking forward to it. 2032, it's going to get this. Is there any other, 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 there's some predictions that humanity should be looking forward to between now and then. Are there certain moments or periods of time where I guess you, there'll be a fertile moment for uh, technological innovations to break through that would either um, stop this machine from happening or that would accelerate a move towards peace. I mean, maybe we'll get us to 2032, the idea, the beauty of uh, peace faster than uh, where the path we're on right now. Uh, unfortunately, no. Okay. <laughs> you have to go through this, and that's what gets the people to that 40%. Enough is enough. Okay. Right? It was uh, Thomas Paine in his book on common sense that finally really moved the U.S. to revolution. Um, and you, if you read his opening paragraph, he, he hit the nail on the head. These people think that they are the sovereign. They are the government, not we, the people. All right. That, you know, <clears throat> you saw that with Dianne Feinstein calling uh, Snowden a traitor. What? Why? Because he told the people that the government was acting illegally. So is a traitor against the people? No. Traitor against the government? Yes. So that's their mentality. They are the ones 
that are really the United States, not us. We're just the pawns out here, and that's <clears throat> to be manipulated. That's it. <clears throat> and um, I just have a, two more questions for you. One of them is, as somebody, what would be two things that you personally would do <clears throat> right now if you, as being a member, if you were part of the Great Unwashed, to mentally prepare yourself and to physically get ready for what the powers that should be are going to be pushing. Should you be getting in physical shape? Should you be storing food? Should you be buying pre-1963 coins? And what would some of the recommendations you would recommend to insulate yourself from the coming uh, digital currency and the possibility or just the World War III breaking up? Well, I think that, you know, you, you should have like, you know, pre-1965 you know, silver coins uh you have to understand when they moved to the central bank digital currency they will probably outlaw you being allowed to even buy gold or silver with it uh so <clears throat> i think you're you're probably looking at a i mean there's always going to be a black market underground economy they're not going to eliminate it so I would say that those coins will probably be the way that you still be able to buy something off the grid, so to so to speak. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is that uh, just understand this is we have to go through this. Okay. This is what makes the political change. All right. So the 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 light at the end of the tunnel is is that republics are the most corrupt form of government ever. Unfortunately, our founding fathers <laughs> believed Cicero, <clears throat> and Cicero was one of the oligarchs. So uh, <clears throat> when when Caesar crossed the Rubicon, I think the example of how corruption really was so bad, um, you have the Julian calendar. Why? Because they would, you know, the high priest would be the one who decided when to put in the extra days for leap year. Mm -hmm. So they would bribe him and say, we don't want to go to elections, so give us another three months. Okay, fine. So when Caesar crossed the Rubicon, what should have been winter was really summer. It was that bad. Uh, and then he became the uh, the high priest and set in a standard cal calendar because they were bribing the priest. I mean, you know, it, you can't get any lower than that. Uh, and <clears throat> this is why republics are always the worst possible form of government um the best thing we should have is and there should have been term limits one time in out yeah mitch mcconnell did you see those two phrases he just froze just... yeah i mean and we should have the right to vote on taxes war uh <clears throat> knock off the socialistic uh nonsense um i mean you can read uh Google Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she got to the Supreme Court uh, over Roe versus Wade. And this shows you how manipulative uh, these people are. She said it had nothing to do with women's rights. It was all for Planned Parenthood to reduce the population. And they were sticking them in minority areas. And so <clears throat> they just flip it around. Oh, it's your right to be able to have an abortion. Oh, yes, yes, that's mine. Okay. They get all fired up about it. Yeah, exactly. And just read it. She was a woman's activist and she said it had nothing to do with women. 
It was all basically reducing the population, which they're still doing. And that was Bill Gates' father that was behind Planned Parenthood. So he's only carrying out the same agenda that his father did. Hey, is there any Socrates predict when he's going to leave? Is he is he going to be around for a lot longer? Uh, Bill Gates, right? Because <clears throat> I feel like he's he's got to be one of the biggest driving forces behind why everything is awful. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, he. I think uh, he's there. Um, George Soros yeah. is up there as well, and um, and Klaus Schwab. Um, Schwab's got a daughter who's basically, you know, mouthing his same agenda. Uh, Soros has got a son who's even more radical than his father. Um, uh, I don't know about any heirs of of Bill, uh, but, you know, it's, look, these people are, I don't know what it is. You get that kind of money and they suddenly lose all common sense and then think that they can change the world. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's some, maybe they I mentioned that question earlier about it. Maybe if there are people really you and maybe it's just because they got a ton of money. But um Warren, we've gone through some pretty dark places. I want to end things on a very positive note. Uh, because I'd like to ask you, from your perspective, what do you find is the key to having a joyful and fulfilling and happy life? I think look, just understand. <clears throat> Uh, <clears throat> what these people are doing, all right? It's not that you have to get all depressed or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> if I say, here comes my fist and I'm going to punch you right in the, in the face, do you stand there and let me do it or you at least move? You duck. Uh, you know, and that's what this is about. This is what they're doing. This is what they're trying to do. The computer says they will fail, all right? When Schwab is saying you own nothing and be happy, it's because he's trying to make it sound like he's doing it for you. All right. When in fact, what he's really doing is the government's going to default. But if they default, there wipes out all the pension funds. So that's why they need all this, you know, CBDC stuff. I mean, it's and then guaranteed basic income. And, you know, they're just trying to keep the masses quiet. That's it. Um but they know that eventually we're going to rise up and, you know, their uh, lifelong dreams are going to fail. Awesome. Well, that clearly shows that there's no way these people are winning. No well, way. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad we ended things that are really positive. Uh, Mr. Martin Armstrong, economic visionary, author. Um, I have so much respect for you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Again, you know, learn more about Martin by going to his website at armstrongeconomics.com. Mr. Armstrong, it's an honor as always, sir. Well, thank you for inviting me. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guests. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Dallas, and our associate producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. And until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.